audio for this story was taken from the amazing documentary, Living for 32. Listener discretion is advised. The story was produced by our own Stephanie Fu. It was a snowy April morning, and Colin Doddard was just another sleepy student who dragged himself out of bed. My name is Colin Goddard. I'm 23. I became an international studies major. Here's his friend, Christina Anderson. So Colin picked me up that morning. He drove me to school. We had considered skipping class to get breakfast because, I mean, it was a 9 a.m., I believe, 9.30 French class. And so it was, you know, it was kind of like we would skip and whatever. But that day, they chose to do the responsible thing. I was in the right place at the right time. I was in class. And that's when my whole life changed. We started first hearing loud banging noises coming outside of our classroom. Uh, the teacher went to the door to look into the hallway to see what was going on and making all that noise. And as soon as she opened it, she shut it back again and said, everyone get underneath your desk and somebody call 911. I pulled out my phone and dialed 911. And I said that we were in Norris Hall. There's, I think there's a shooting going on. And as soon as I basically got that out, we saw bullets coming through our door. Everyone jumped underneath their desk and went to the floor. I came full circle with the situation when I was shot the first time in my left knee. Sure enough, you feel that sensation of huge push and a sharp sting, and you feel the blood kind of trickle down your leg, and you feel it kind of warm on your body. And then the bangs just got much louder again. You could tell he was back in our room. This time, he more methodically came down each of the rows and was still firing. At one point, he was standing at my feet, and that's when I was shot a second time in my left hip. He shot me the third time in my right shoulder, and then I flipped my whole body around, and I exposed my right side, and I was shot for a fourth time in my right hip. Colin's friend Christina was also injured. I was shot twice in the back and once in my toe, and he shot me in the back, so eventually I just I couldn't move. I remember feeling very cold. It seems that I only remember a couple more gunshots after that, and then everything got quiet. As soon as the police came into the room, they said, shoot her down. And that's when I was like, shoot her down? What? I didn't know that he had committed suicide in the front of our classroom. Soon after that, the police and the medic staff came in and began their triage of all the students laying on the floor. And I remember hearing them walk up to people, say, this person's yellow, this person's red, and then I heard black tag, black tag, black tag. And that's when I realized that there were other students in here who didn't make it. That year, that was the last day it snowed in Blacksburg. So I remember they laid me on the grass, they cut my shirt off, they cut my jeans off, and um, I was laying there in my underwear, freezing. They hopped an ambulance over the curb and drove right up to me and put me in it, and uh, that's when I started my trip to the hospital. I was one of seven students to survive out of a class of 17. Uh, my teacher was killed. I don't know why. I know that there were people who were killed all around me that did nothing different than I did, and um, I just got lucky. The shooter's name was Cho Seong Hui. He was a 23-year-old undergraduate student at Virginia Tech who'd suffered from anxiety and depression. I mean, when it learned it was Cho, when I learned like his history, like it's like it made sense. It's like it's like how could nobody have gotten to this guy beforehand? Like how could no one have you know, realized what was going on before he had to go out like this. 25 students were injured that day, and 32 were killed. It probably wasn't really to the third day that I was getting coherent about what was happening, and I think by that point they had figured out what the numbers were. I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot, you know, just because how many times I heard that gunfire, like, it was just constant. But it didn't really 
hit me until that memorial was built. When at that first anniversary, when you had one person stand in front of it for each one, you see all those 32 people line up like that. Like, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people when you see them all standing like that. For two months, Colin went to physical therapy every single day. Every day. I remember they put me on a bike and I couldn't make a full rotation on a bike pedal. But he needed to heal more than his body. Here's Colin's mother. I did an interview during those early days. I said, um, I didn't want this to be the defining moment of your life. I didn't want him to be the kid who got shot at Virginia Tech. There's ways that I've seen that people kind of react to something like this, internalize it, turn it around, and put it towards their future to kind of make something come out of that. And that's a survivor's mission. A judge had declared that Cho was mentally ill, so he should not have been allowed to buy a gun. But Cho still managed to buy three pistols. How you doing, sir? Where we can see your Mahdi Egyptian? I'm looking at that thing. This is from hidden camera footage at a gun show. Colin asks to see a Mahdi Egyptian AK-47 assault rifle. You want 660 for it? The man behind the counter says that all he needs from Colin is a driver's license. Colin says he doesn't have his on him. But in the video, the seller just shrugs and lets Colin buy the rifle anyway. Colin has dozens of videos just like this one with multiple sellers. He even has a shot of his trunk filled with guns from a show. You've been to one gun show, you've been to all gun shows. It's pretty much the same. You pay your, I think it was eight bucks entry fee. Uh, You start walking around looking at stuff. Every once in a while, you'll see a guy that's got, you know, just a couple of guns on the table, doesn't really look that official. You know, you go up to him, you start talking to him, and you ask him, you know, what do you got to do to buy this gun that he's got? And he says, sometimes all you need is a license, and sometimes you don't even need that. Because of what he experienced, Colin doesn't want guns getting into the wrong hands ever again. So he shows these videos to congressmen and activists, trying to enforce regulations within gun shows to prevent illegal gun sales. I didn't think that changing some laws in Washington was going to happen by me telling my story. I thought it was going to be me getting the data, me showing all this other stuff, but it's in fact not like that. In fact, I will be able to move the ball forward a good bit with my story. If you're interested in hearing more about Colin's story, please, please check out the fantastic documentary, Living for 32. We'll have a link on our website, snapjudgment.org. And our sincere thanks and appreciation to the families affected by the Virginia Tech tragedy. You are listening to Snap Judgment. And to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.